Let's take our seats, and if you'd like to follow in the Word of God, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. I'm going to read from 42 and to the end. And then, Lord willing, I hope to preach a sermon on a subject that I've, I've never heard preached myself in uh, three decades I've been a Christian. It's a subject called watchfulness. Watchfulness. But let's hear uh, from the head of the church, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, from Matthew's Gospel, 24. And I'll read from verse 42 to the end. Let's hear our master and sit as it were, at the feet of Jesus, and hear his words. Verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, the sermon this morning is called Watchfulness. Watchfulness. But before we get to the text, on September the 11th, 2001, at 8.45am on a clear Tuesday morning, an American Airlines Boeing 767 loaded with 20,000 gallons of jet fuel, crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center in New York City. The impact left a a gaping, burning hole near the 80th floor of the 110-story skyscraper, instantly killing hundreds of people and trapping hundreds more in higher floors. As the evacuation of the tower and its twin got underway, television cameras broadcasted live images of what initially appeared to be a freak accident. Then, 18 minutes after the first plane hit, 
a second Boeing 767 United Airlines Flight 175 appeared out of the sky and turned sharply toward the World Trade Center and sliced into the South Tower near the 60th floor. That's reported on history websites all over the world. But what are the lessons? Things happen in life that we do not expect. And that's also true spiritually as well. As I've said, I've been a Christian for over 30 years and I've never heard a sermon on watchfulness. So I ask myself, well, why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ teaches watchfulness to his own disciples. As I read the reading, one thing that jumped off the page for me as we, I heard the reading out of my own mouth in verse 42, therefore stay awake for you do not know, he says to his disciples, what day your Lord is coming. Isn't it wonderful to have Jesus as your Lord? But the fact is we don't know when he's going to come again. And, um, and I don't know people's own hearts this morning. You, you may be backslidden sitting here this morning. You may have become spiritually lukewarm. And if that describes you, I would appeal that you don't switch off. Because if that describes you, this sermon is for you. But maybe you've become spiritually stale. And you've lost your spiritual joy. That can happen. Then also, this sermon is for you. Or maybe you're here this morning, you've been brought up in a Christian family, and uh, yet you've not put your personal faith yet in Jesus Christ. Now, if that's you, then listen up. And actually, I didn't know that our beloved family from Northern Ireland will be with us, but we've got many Northern Irish friends, and there's a, I've said, well, whatever your position is, if you're pretending to be a Christian, but you're refusing to come to Christ, I want to appeal that you would come to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And my notes, I can show you later, it says that a Northern Irish phrase may apply to you. Can't say it with your accent, but wise up. Wise up. There'll be nothing worse than to die and have not put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so I've got four headings, which is not deliberate, but the four headings actually form the acronym WAVE, but I've not chosen them for that reason. The first heading we've got this morning is, is, begins with W, and it's wakefulness. Wakefulness. I'm not sure that's even a verb, but anyway, wakefulness. The second heading is, begins with the letter A, which is attentiveness. Attentiveness. The third heading begins with the letter V. I wonder if the children could remember this. It begins with V. It's vigilance. Vigilance. And then the fourth heading begins with the letter E. And of course, we all know what the E is, don't you? Well, probably not. But it's, E is expectancy. Expectancy. And that does form the phrase wave, but it's not nothing to do with a sermon, that wave 
word whatsoever, but it'll be helpful for you to actually use that to remember the four headings. Jesus is teaching his disciples about watchfulness. So let's look at the first heading then, watchfulness. In verse uh, 43, 42 rather, is where he begins. And he says, therefore. Did you notice that? Therefore. And as people say, that whenever you find a therefore, you want to ask yourself, what is it therefore? And Jesus has been speaking, there'll be wars and rumors of wars and uh, Brother Johannes has been praying for the situation in Ukraine. Jesus talks about all many different things, and now he's beginning to conclude his uh, teaching by saying, therefore, he's applying it. He says, uh, therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. And the first heading is wakefulness. It's an imperative. It's a command. He says, Therefore, stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. And it is possible to be a professing Christian and actually to fall asleep at the wheel. And sometimes when you're driving on the motorway, you get these signs, don't you? And it says something like, tiredness kills lives. Have you seen that? Pull up at the next services or whatever. But it's possible, according to the Lord Jesus Christ here, that is professing church and individually can uh, fall asleep. Does that describe you? Or may it describe you in, in a few years' time? This sermon is not just for today. It's also for every day of our Christian lives. Therefore, stay awake. So the first heading is, is wakefulness. And there are two and only two comings. Jesus came the first time around 2,000 years ago and he's going to come back once and once only in his second return. I can't speak about Northern Ireland, but I can speak about the church here in England. I hardly ever hear people preaching about the second coming of Jesus. Why? Because the church generally in the West is quite lukewarm. I remember one person I spoke to him years ago about the second return of Jesus and and they responded and said, well, they didn't want him to come back yet. I said, well, why not? They said, well, we've got a family holiday plan for Disneyland. And I thought, actually, it spoke a lot about the state of Christianity. That the idea of wakefulness is the very opposite of sleepiness. Which is captured by the words from Jesus, stay awake. Stay awake. And it's a plural. It's not just to one disciple. It's to all of them together. Stay awake. And the Greek verb is from which we get the name Gregory. You know the name Gregory? That's where it comes from, this Greek word. And it implies that there is a lurking temptation always to sleepiness, spiritually speaking. And we think about the history of salvation. We think about Adam, don't we? And how he didn't stay awake. What about King David? When kings went out to war, he, he, he stayed at home in Jerusalem. And we know what happens. The sin with Bathsheba and then with the murder of Uriah. But what about the disciples? What about the disciples? They're about to go into the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is about to pray. 
Jesus teaching this, and what do we read in the Word of God? They're fast asleep. You can hear snoring as Jesus is praying. So therefore, stay awake is the first heading. And let's be aware of the temptation of spiritually falling asleep. Our second heading is attentiveness. Attentiveness. As we go through, we can see here, and we find elsewhere in the teaching of Jesus, who in verse 43 says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you almost also must be ready. Not only should we stay awake, but we should be ready. Well, how do you maintain a readiness as a Christian? That's a good question, isn't it? How do you maintain a readiness as a Christian? Well, our second heading is attentiveness. Attentiveness. And I want to read out to us, you don't need to turn there, Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. It says here in Proverbs, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence from it, for from it flow the springs of life. Our second heading this morning is attentiveness. And there are repeated teachings in the ministry of Jesus and throughout the whole of the word of God, that the people of God are to be attentive. What are we to be attentive to? It's not who's the latest best-selling transfer of, to some football club. These things will clamor for our attention. It's attentiveness to the written word of God. I remember when I was a young, very young Christian, I lifted up the Bible to heaven, and I put it kind of top of my head like a head covering, and I said to the Lord, whatever I find in this word that contradicts my opinions, I'll be prepared to change my opinion. But I submit to your word, almighty God. But I didn't realize back then how long the pilgrimage is. You know, it was so much easier to think like that as a, a, a man in his 20s. But the thing is, we need to remain attentive in your 50s. And if God permits, in your 60s. And if God gives you grace in your 70s to remain attentive, as Jesus says in verse 44, therefore you also must be ready. The word of God says, keep your heart with all diligence. And this is crucial as we get to the second heading in a moment. Because you've got to keep your heart. How many of you like gardening? Perhaps some people. Now is a real gardening season. But with the fall of Adam, what happened? Weeds and thorns and thistles were introduced to this world. And it's true, isn't it, that you don't have to plant weeds in your garden. You have to plant good things. Weeds just grow on their own. But good things have to be planted. And the same is true spiritually. How is your Bible reading, O Christian? How are your morning devotions? 
How do you find listening to preaching in the Lord's house? Is your heart open? Because the Savior spoke about these parables, remember, and the parable of the sower. And it's all about attentiveness to the word of God. In fact, we find in Luke's gospel, they are those who are, this is the ones who bear rich fruit. In, in Luke's gospel, it said, the ones who bear rich fruit are those who are hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So attentiveness over our heart will determine whether there'll be fruitfulness in your life. And what we're to do, we're to hear the word of God. Where are you going to mainly hear the word of God? It's in the Lord's house on the Christian Sabbath. That's where, you know, that's why Satan has been very busy in our generation to persuade churches, ditch preaching, it's boring, it's not what young people need. If it's not what young people need, it's what they need according to Christ because we cannot substitute the means of God with something else which has been called entertainment. I've been in some church services over the years where barely a single Bible verse was being read. But you can't substitute the reading and the preaching of the word of God. We're not here to be conformed to this world. We're here to be conformed to the word of God. So are you attentive to the word of God? Are you maintaining a vigilance that you're listening carefully and closely to the teaching of scripture? So that's our second heading, attentiveness. But our third heading is, is what? Anyone remember what the third heading is? Vigilance, exactly, vigilance. And as we see in verse 44, Jesus Christ says, therefore, therefore, what's it therefore? There's another imperative coming. You also must be ready. And if you're going to be ready for the coming of Jesus, you've got to be vigilant. You've got to be sober. You've got to be vigilant. And what can we learn about vigilance here? Well, we have a warning elsewhere in Scripture, and many warnings are found in Scripture, in 1 John. And what does the Apostle write there? He says, Do not love the world or things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. That's a strong warning for us, isn't it? To remain vigilant. How many times over the years we've had holidays. And it's as if, spiritually speaking, Satan has just ruined some of our holidays. And what have we learned? There never is a holiday in the Christian life. Of course, I'm not saying you don't take holidays. What I'm saying is, spiritually speaking, you can't let down your guard but maintain wakefulness, attentiveness, and vigilance. I want to say this as well from Scripture that we learn that we must not underestimate the devil in the Christian life. If Jesus teaches something, the devil knows the word of God and he'll do everything 
to tempt and distract the church. There was a man, a Puritan man, that's many years ago in the 17th century, I think he was, his name was Richard Rogers. Richard Rogers. He actually defined watchfulness back then. He said, watchfulness is this. A careful observing of our hearts and diligent looking to our ways that they may be pleasing and acceptable unto God. Let me just read that one more time. That's from this Puritan Richard Rogers. And it's interesting, in the 17th century, watchfulness was part of the diet of the church then. So why isn't it today? Richard Rogers defines watchfulness as this. A careful observing of our hearts and diligent looking to our ways that they may be pleasing and acceptable unto God. Verse 44, Therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And the Word of God is full of warnings for us. And one of the warnings, for example, in the power of parable of the sower is that the devil will come to snatch away the word of God that's sown. Another warning is the danger of the temptation of drifting. Drifting. My wife is from the Netherlands and they have much more sea currents there than we generally have. And you never go out on a lilo in the Netherlands and just lie there and fall asleep. Because you could end up drifting and lose your life. But likewise, there's warnings that we're not to drift spiritually. We need, we need vigilance. We need to, well, what does vigilance mean? It means to stay awake. It means to be alert. And so we see with vigilance here that there's also another temptation, a temptation of apostasy. Now, you cannot sit here this morning, surely, and say, Oh, praise God, that won't happen to us. I'm part of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church in England and Wales. There's been many Presbyterian churches in the history of the denomination today. They will deny the virgin birth completely liberal. But you don't get there overnight. You don't get to that position overnight. I'll just say this before we come to our last heading in a moment. Um, that J.C. Ryle said this, that, that when the church begin to neglect and to, or maybe paraphrasing a little bit, but they, they begin to neglect the reality of the person and the personality of Satan. It's normally a beginning of a slide into liberalism. And perhaps part of our problem in the West is we don't want to be talking about the devil all the time, but Jesus did. He exposed Satan, and we have a great adversary who will attack the church called Satan. And so it's very important that we recognize, if I was to ask Reformed Christians, do you believe in the devil? I think, and it was a multiple choice questionnaire, I think we'd get probably 100%. But functionally, we can become so imbalanced in the sovereignty of God and say, well, he's God's devil and all things work together for good, which is absolutely true. But yet in terms of watchfulness, we need to be sober because we have an adversary called the devil. Do you believe that, O saint? This is going to be essential for us to live our lives and 
John Owen, again in the 17th century, wrote on temptation and writes of watchfulness, the same things. It's a universal carefulness and diligence. He talks about we need to be aware of the wiles and methods of the devil and so on. Well, our last heading, the first heading was wakefulness. The A stood for attentiveness, the V for vigilance. And finally, as we close this morning, the final heading is expectancy. What does the Lord Jesus say? He says, therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Are you expecting the second coming of Jesus? Are you eagerly looking forward to the coming of Jesus? Do you talk about the coming of Jesus? In Corinthians, one of the ways you would greet people sometimes would be, Maranatha! Even so, come Lord Jesus! I used to hear that sometimes uh, over 30 years ago in church. I don't hear it at all now. Maranatha! Even so, come Lord Jesus! And so, if we're going to be watchful, we need to have a careful eye that we don't know the day or the hour when he will come. But why is it in the church sometimes people make predictions about the coming of Jesus? Have you ever, have you ever come across that? Uh, a number of years ago, there was a guy in, guess where, in California, who predicted a month and a year when he believed that Jesus would come back. And it got into national media in the U.S. and sometimes over here. A friend of mine who was from a brethren background, I mentioned to him, I said, it's ridiculous. Jesus says here that you must remain ready for uh, the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect. We don't know what the hour will be. And he said, oh, it was a very crafty answer. He said, yes, Jesus says you won't know the hour, but he didn't say anything about the month or the year. <laughs> I mean, that's just deception. It's plain deception. No one will know the hour. He's not disclosing with us and, and giving someone a personal prophecy. It's going to be next week. No, what we're to do, we are to be ready and expectant for the coming of the Lord. But we may have become lukewarm about the second return of Jesus because we've been hearing it from preachers now for 30 years or however long you've been a Christian and, and it's still not happened. And maybe you've taken your eye off the ball, but we're to be expectant Verse 44, Jesus makes very clear that we are to be ready. But as we come to a close this morning, we see that Jesus teaches this example about expectancy and watchfulness and wakefulness and attentiveness and vigilance. And he talks in verse 45, Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Well, as we come to a close, when Jesus comes back, there'll only be two kinds of people. Two and no more. There'll be those who put their faith, have put their faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, and those who will die in their sins. But don't we notice in the word of God that Jesus speaks warnings to the Pharisees, but then he speaks the same warnings to the professing church. 
And it's not as if, well, the warnings are for them out, here, out there, but as for us, we're okay. That's called self-righteousness. And Jesus has nothing to do with it. He's now speaking to his disciples, and he said, the true disciple will be found in verse 46, um, doing his master's will when he comes. But then there's a man who does the opposite in verse 48. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus Christ gives a very stark warning for the professing people of God. That there's no place to be comfortable. The church is not a cruise liner. It's not a bus full of passengers. It's for saints who are watchful, waiting for Jesus to come back. Well, as we close this morning, we thank God for the very last words of the Bible, almost. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. There's an expectancy. Come. If you've lost your zeal for the return of Jesus, you've fallen in to the temptation of sleepiness. You've lost your zeal for what Jesus teaches, to be ready, to stay awake, to be watchful, looking for, talking about the return of Jesus Christ. He's coming. He could come today. Do you believe that? You say, oh, you know, I don't believe that. Well, Jesus says he'll come when you, the disciples, don't expect him. Nobody will know when he comes back. But the question is, be ready. Be ready. Be clothed in the whole armor of God. Stand fast. Onward, Christian soldiers marching us to war. Well, as we close this morning, we're going to sing in a moment what a friend we have in Jesus. Um, I'd never really heard a little while ago of a car called Tesla. And uh, a man I know has actually got one. And he was telling me about it and wanted to show it me and this that, and the other. And I didn't really know much about it. But after he showed me his Tesla, I began to find most of our roads are filled with Teslas. They're all over the place. And I think sometimes when you're introduced to a teaching from the Word of God, you'll begin to see it all over the place in Scripture. Watchfulness. Be ready. Stand fast. There have been four areas that we've looked at this morning. Each aspect deserves more thought from all of us and prayer about it. Each aspect requires really keen labor from disciples of Jesus Christ, if that's what we profess to be. The Lord Jesus teaches us to be watchful with soberness and expectancy for the coming of the glorious Son of Man. And so I say to you this morning what the early church said, Maranatha, Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus.